Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen, and I'm joined by everyone's favorite substitute teacher when uh, Denise Salcedo is not around. It's your friend of mine. It's SP3. How are you, sir? I am doing well. I'm always happy to be here with one of my favorite people in wrestling media and a fellow dad, Luke Owen. Yeah, we are now. Yeah, like dad community. Um, <laughs> there's not there's not many of us, I suppose. That is, like, there's me, you, there's Alex. Um, I, I, surely there's more than just the three of us. I, I'm like, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Those are like <laughs> the, the the names that came to my mind as well. So I can't even name anyone else. I gotta I gotta do my research to know. We gotta make a dad stable in wrestling oh, media. Man, yeah. We'll start a podcast together, like because that's what this world needs—another wrestling podcast. Like we're, the, we're starved for that in this we? wrestling podcasts, <laughs> and just try, um, trying to get our kids into wrestling. That, that's that's <laughs> that's what the name of it. Try trying to get your kids into wrestling. A wrestling podcast by dads. <laughs> it was the first thing that my kid watched. Uh, was AEW Rampage because um, we brought her home on the Friday. So t- I mean, technically, I think she watched an episode of Taskmaster, but she was asleep while that was on. The first thing she was awake for was AEW Rampage. So the very first thing that my daughter has ever seen on TV was CM Punk versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, and I will nice. remember that to tell her, uh, tell her that. I can show it to her later on in life, which I'll actually know what it is. Um, anyway, well, let's get into the main show itself before we uh, just have a little ramble chat. Here <laughs> is the show, sadly talking about Ring of Honor, but... It's crucially with special guest, handsome man, Chris Van Vliet. Here is the show. <sighs> it's not exactly the nicest news to be bringing you here on a Friday, but... R.I.P. Ring of Honor 2002 to 2021, a promotion that really did. It helped me a lot in terms of like that real down period of WWE where I was less interested in it and TNA wasn't doing it for me anymore. Ring of Honor kind of pulled me right back in. I am Lou Cohen. I'm joined this week not by Denise Salcedo because she is too big time 
for the Wrestle Talk podcast, it would seem. I got a message from her at like 2 a.m. last night being like, by the way, can't do the show. I'm doing an MMA gig. So, of course, we called in the only person that could replace Denise Salcedo, Mr. SP3. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Me and Denise share a birthday, May 18th, so I'm the appropriate substitute for her, always. <laughs> but it's not just SP3 that is here. We are joined by... Now, uh, Chris, when we were talking earlier, like when you first came in, uh, I was reeling off like a list of adjectives. Um, I'm now trying to remember what some of those were, so I could try please, to like... Please, your... let's, let's hear them, yes. Let's see. Uh, it, it's an honor. It's a privilege to have someone of this man's stature, fame credibility beard hair and handsomeness it is none other than emmy ward winning chris van vliet how are you sir wow should i venmo you or paypal you for that what would be what would be <laughs> easiest for you thank you so much for having me on it's so good to hang out with you guys luke and sp3 cvv in the house and, and like you said it'd be Great if we were talking uh, under different circumstances here, but maybe this isn't the end of Ring of, Ring of Honor, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Maybe this is just a maybe a little break. Maybe it's 2002 to 2021, and then it's 2021 to whatever goes on after that. Perhaps it's even like this is we're going to go into Ring of Honor 2.0 in uh, in next year, perhaps. So yeah, this um this news happens. Um, earlier in the week, Jokoff informed talents that everyone is being released from their contract at the end of the year, but that, effective immediately, all talent can start working for other promotions, even if they are under contract. So Ring of Honor have released everyone. But, you know, credit to them. They are still paying everyone up until the end of the year, which is... Yeah, I think actually even beyond that, I think if some people are signed until like March, they're still being paid until March of next year. You know, and that's yeah. kind of one of the things that Ring of Honor have sort of found themselves in. And SB3, I'll, I'll come to you first. Like they, along with New Japan, were probably the promotion that was doing their best to like make sure that the talents and the fans were safe during a pandemic. Yeah, they did it like better than probably anyone because New Japan had a lot of uh, different cases to their talent. Uh, they were they got back fans before everybody, and you know they had to go you know back to the empty arena and then back with fans again. While Ring of Honor just did the empty arena and produced a lot of great television. Like their pure pure title tournament was one of the best things about the pandemic, with just straight up wrestling in a totally different way, the way they presented it and stuff. And just to keep everybody safe, to pay talent that weren't able to be on the live events that were canceled, guys like Alex Shelley, who are not contracted talent, still got paid for, you know, events that they weren't even on or didn't even happen. They did a lot to help their talent. And this is kind of, unfortunately, the consequence because of that. They were doing business in a way to, you know, keep their talent safe, but at the same time, keep them pay and have them, you know, make a wage. And that's kind of not the best way to do business and i think that's why they have to like reimagine as they say and do business a different way in 2022 yeah chris i mean that's what the you know the statement was all about is that like this is it's sort of the end like the title that we've got for this this podcast is a bit um it's a bit dramatic to say you know r.i.p ring of honor because like like you you mentioned the start it's not really the end they're going to be running shows next year it's just going to be it's a different version of ring of honor right it's a very confusing announcement though like we're all yes. sitting here going 
Okay, so what happens now? Is it done? Is it not done? If it comes back, what's it going to look like when it comes back? I just wish that they were a little bit more clear with what the next steps are here. And if they are planning to do this show in April, and I certainly hope that they do, why not keep everyone contracted until April? Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? I don't get why they're releasing people now and then in April going, oh, wait, some of you can come back for this other show that we're doing. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. But I think there's like three scenarios here that are going to happen. There's going to be a rebrand and it's going to be a completely new thing. It's going to get sold and someone's going to buy this and turn this into something else perhaps or make it just continue on the way that it was going. Or unfortunately, number three might be along the lines of what your clickbait headline is. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I wasn't going to use that word, Chris. You I hope that, that word, is. not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, the, the, uh, the um, dramatic headline. Yes, the dramatic okay, headline of this video. That's what yes. we're going with here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so because... Apparently, like Meltzer was saying in the Observer today, that as of next year, the, the plan is to, that they're not going to have anyone under contract. They're going to run it like PWG run their shows or like GCW run their shows. It's a pay per appearance type thing. So it's not going to be like a WWE or an AEW or an Impact where they have people under contract. It's just, can you appear on this show? We're just going to book you for X number of appearances. You come in and do those shows. And really, like, that's not a terrible way to to run a promotion and you'd think sp3 that they're probably going to get a lot of the names that are like tied to ring of honor currently on those paper deals yeah because like this is what uh independent promotion that a ring of honor originally was like when i was in high school ring of honor was the super indie anyone that was a big name in the independent scene they came to ring of honor and it was like a hodgepodge of guys from the east coast from chicago from the west coast all came together pretty much like once a month twice a month and had these big super indie shows and now it seems like they're reverting back to what they were in the past like pre hd net ring of honor era from like 2009 this is how back far back i went because i'm somebody that went to the hammerstein ballroom shows in new york city from 2006 through 2009 when brian danielson and nigel left i took a break then i came back for the sinclair era in 2011 and onwards until the elite left so i've seen like different generations of ring of honor and seen how it works and when i originally went to those hammerstein ballroom shows it was like a pay, a paid per appearance. It was like, we're going to book you for a couple of dates. You're going to do this New York show, this Chicago show. You're going to come in, but we might not use you for the Los Angeles show. We might not use you for the Detroit show. We're going to use these people for those shows. So it's going to go back to what it was in the past. So I can see what Chris is saying. Like It's going to be maybe a totally different thing, maybe something that under new management, because that's my big thing. I feel like a lot of the, the talk about ring of honor, the elite has been more of like a scapegoat. 
Because in my opinion, I feel like the downward spiral really started when a TV company that doesn't really know professional wrestling in Sinclair Broadcasting bought the promotion. They never really knew what to do with it. And they had so much talent that went through their hands like a Kevin Steen, a Adam Cole, a Kyle O'Reilly that reached really the heights of their careers in the independent scene. But they never knew what to do to retain them, even though they had contracted talent. They just didn't do enough to keep those guys and didn't know how to run a wrestling promotion. So I think that if it gets under new management, then we could see a real rebirth of Ring of Honor, in my opinion. Yeah, the management seems like a very crucial part of this for me. And I don't know if, like, you mentioned Sinclair, like, don't really have much of an interest in wrestling. I think they've never had much of an interest in Ring of Honor in particular. Like, they never no. they never put any money in it. And that was like, you know, the Bucks and Cody's big frustrations with Ring of Honor was that nothing is... We are selling out. They sold out 6,000 seats for the New Orleans show over WrestleMania weekend. Bear in mind, the Ring of Honor, like a couple of years earlier, were doing 700 seats. Yeah. The Bucks and the and Cody, they do Cody. I think it was Cody Omega was the main event. Yeah. 6,000 seats. Like they were trying to build this thing. And Sinclair were like, nah, we're not that interested. And I think, Chris, that's like, that was what the massive frustration has always been with Ring of Honor, right? Well, the biggest issue is it never had a time slot that it could call home. Like we all know we can watch Raw Monday night at eight o'clock. We can watch AEW Dynamite Wednesday night at eight o'clock, you know, and so on and so on and so on. If I say to you, when can you watch Ring of Honor? You're like, uh, I think it might be on at 1130 on channel 714. I'm, I'm not, I can't. And that's the problem, right? And this is no disrespect to them, but they never had a time slot that they could call home. And when you don't have that time slot that people can know they can come to every single week, how are you supposed to build a loyal viewership? And I think that that was the downside here. That was the that was the real downfall of what was going on. I interviewed uh, Brother Ray, Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, whatever you want to call him. And he was basically saying that was the issue here is they never had a spot that they could call home. And I think that that's the problem. And I think that Sinclair has a lot of other things that is, that is making them a lot of money. And I think that Ring of Honor comes in, they go, oh, this is a nice asset for us, but perhaps we can write some things off under this umbrella. But I don't think that they ever bought it going, we're going to make millions and millions, possibly billions of dollars with it. Well, it's interesting as well, because Sinclair have reached a deal with Women of Wrestling. The rebranded Women of Wrestling with AJ Lee and Tessa Blanchard kind of at the helm of this. Sinclair have now reached a deal with them. So is this a case, SB3, that it's just like they decided the Ring of Honor is a no-go. So we're just going to replace it with WoW instead. Yeah, I mean, WoW has someone who's going to put money into it with uh, Jeannie Buss. As uh, me being a Lakers fan, she puts money into her basketball team. So she's definitely going to put money into her wrestling promotion to make that a success. So I think that Sinclair sees that, that there's someone already in the management that's going to put the money into it. So they don't necessarily have to. With Ring of Honor, I think that was the thing. They had to put money into it. They had to put some type of focus into it. They had people there who were doing good wrestling-wise as far as like the booking of the promotion but they didn't have anybody in management that was putting the money and the assets that they needed to into it so yeah it kind of sounds like to me that Sinclair is like well 
we got a brand new fresh toy over here with you know nuclear heat tessa blanchard and uh aj lee at the helm in as an executive producer so we're gonna go and you know play with the new toy we're gonna play with buzz lightyear and we're just gonna throw woody to the side uh, an excellently well-timed analogy there. It was an excellently, I mean, a well-timed analogy there with the release of the trailer for Lightyear. Um, Chris, the other interesting thing with uh, a lot of this is the talk of the tape library. So Sports Illustrated reported that the library is up for the highest bidder. However, that's been shot down by several other outlets and things like that. Like Meltzer has said that it's not, and, and I think Sean has said that it's not as well. Like, you know, Meltzer wrote in The Observer, Sources within AEW Impact have all denied knowing anything about it. If it were for sale right now, one would think that WWE and AEW would be the first people contacted. Yes. But if, yeah, but if like they are going to sell that library, there is a pretty penny to be made from that library, right? Yeah. So we'll play fantasy booker here because again, we don't know if these are rumors or if this is actually, you know, something that's been confirmed. I would have to think that AEW is the spot where this makes the most sense. Right now, Ring of Honor owns the rights to All In, which basically was the birth of AEW. So I think it makes sense. But then I guess on the other hand, you look at how WWE has bought up the tape library of absolutely everybody. Although there's a lot of talent that would be on those tapes that they would buy that aren't in WWE anymore. So... I would think that it would make sense for AEW to buy that tape library and maybe not even do anything with it right now, but just have it because a lot of their biggest talent had some of their greatest matches in ROH. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, um, there was a lot of chatter like this week, but if Tony Khan were to buy the library, because hey, you mentioned that all in, like that is a key pay-per-view to have in, in terms of this. But also like, I think Tony Khan is a smart businessman. He saw the deal that WWE got with Peacock and what a streaming, you know, having a bunch of stuff that you can stream, what that really means. We are, we live within the streaming content wars. So if you're AEW and you've got your weekly Dynamite shows, you've got all of your pay-per-views, and then you have the Ring of Honor library as well, that's a very appealing uh, set of content to have, to be able to pitch to people and say like, here, here is what I've got. Now give me a billion dollars. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, I think that there's a big difference between someone who is a big time wrestling fan and watches everything, right? They watch yeah. AEW and WWE and Impact and New Japan and MLW and, 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 and. And I think that there's also a difference between someone who just watches WWE. And I think that however you want to look at it, there's a lot of people who might just be WWE fans, who might just bring the family to a WWE show and might not watch Ring of Honor. So if that's on Peacock, they might not watch it. I would have to think that people that watched All In or watch a lot of AEW might be more of a hardcore wrestling fan and might want to go back yeah. into the archives and watch an old Brian Danielson match, CM Punk match, Samoa Joe match and on and on yeah however, i think however i'm gonna say if i'm vince mcmahon 
and I see that there's the option for Tony Khan to get the rights to all in, <laughs> I, you, you bet your bottom dollar that I am putting down a pretty penny so I can make sure he does not get that SP3. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that Vince is petty enough. Petty Vince is what I like to call him sometimes, <laughs> that he would do something like that. But I totally agree with uh, Chris. Like they, they have Warner Media there who have like HBO Max and they can work hand in hand with that, but they need the library. And Tony Khan actually said this in an interview with the wrestling podcast that they're building up their library right now. They have 10 pay-per-views, uh, two years of dynamite, you know, dark, uh, dark elevation. There's, those are on YouTube. So they really wouldn't be useful on like a streaming site, but you know, they have rampage that is two months in, but they, that's not enough really for a streaming type of service, the way that WWE has it, but getting 20 years of ring of honor. And like Chris said, like AEW fans are hardcore wrestling fans for the most part. They're going to want to see Kenny Omega when he was doing the Adugan in 2008 before his New Japan uh, run. They're going to want to see Brian Danielson's 15-month reign as ROH World Champion. They're going to want to see, if, especially if they were like a WWE fan that became an AEW fan, they want to see the Summer of Punk done right in ROH in 2005. So there's a lot of content there, even if it's not just the tape library just to have the ability to do like documentaries on the career of CM Punk and like CM Punk said I left professional wrestling in 2005 I came back in 2021 they can tell that story with the Ring of Honor footage and bleed it into what he's doing in AEW now with that like eight year gap in between, but uh, it's, it's fun stuff like that, that is possible if they get the tape library, but even if it's not the entire library, I 100% agree, get all in because that's the genesis of AEW and AEW really needs that to tell their complete story on a streaming service. One of the big things, obviously, out of the, you know, we talked about if the company is for sale, if the tape library is for sale. The one thing that we haven't talked about yet, Chris, is the talent, mm -hmm. the incredible talent that Ring of Honor had under contract. I was just going through the roster page, like on the website, just because I was getting some images for the, the thumbnail for this show. And it was just like, man, oh, and them, and th what, and them as well, what, and them, like they've just bolstered their women's division as well with yeah. the, the Women of Honor stuff. Like this is a list of names, and these are just names I was just picking out at random. Shane Taylor, Bandido, Dalton Castle, Danhausen, Dragon Lee, The Briscoes, Gresham, Joe Hendry, Session Moth, Josh Woods, The Bennett, Haskins, Roosh, Cheeseburger. Like, and that isn't like that's not even scratching the surface of some of the names that are now going to be out there and free to get jobs. This is the biggest thing about this that I don't think people are focusing on. Everyone's focusing on what's going to happen with Ring of Honor. What's going to happen to all the people inside Ring of Honor who have made Ring of Honor so great? And I don't know if there's room for everybody at WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, MLW, New Japan, and so on and so on. I really think that there's going to be a, a lot of people that are going to be making a huge name for themselves on the indie, on the indies right now. And if there ever was a time for this to happen, I think right now is a, an okay time because indies are starting to open back up almost all across the country here. If this had happened at the start of the pandemic, it would have been a completely different situation. At least these people have somewhere to work, somewhere to work in front of fans. But man, all of those people you just listed, and that's just scratching the surface again of just <laughs> no. some of the people that work there. 
yeah. I'm very interested to see where everybody goes, but like, I don't know why, like when Braun Strowman was released, for example, or Bray Wyatt was released, it was headlines for weeks and weeks and weeks. Where are these people going to go? And I feel like all of those people you just listed would make a, a great, great impact wherever they go. No pun intended there, of course. But I think that they would make a big splash wherever they go. And I don't feel like people are really focusing on the talent here right now. I wonder if that's the case, because I, I completely agree with you. That, like, I think this is the big thing that's being undersold in all of this is, you know, the level of talent that is now out there and free to join. And, you know, as you know, Joe Coffey said, free to go where it like as of right now, you can go and sign a new contract with someone else. And I wonder why. I wonder if SB3, the reason why this is not being talked is because we hear a lot of conversations. Uh, I hear it a lot in our the messages that we get here and in our live chats on these podcasts. AEW is too full. Like they already have too much talent on their books to fill the six episodes, like, you know, the six versions of AEW Dark that they do on YouTube. Like they have got too much talent already. And now NXT is pivoting away from the indie style of thing because what they want are NFL players and things like that. So is it maybe, is it like maybe there's conversations and happenings because the two big players may not be the open doors that they might have been, say, two years ago? Yeah, like when you bring in Adam Cole, or Brian Danielson, and a CM Punk into your company, it's going to make guys, I think that, you know, even for all the headlines that Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt got, there's been a lot of people that's been like, no, they shouldn't go to AEW right now because they just got these guys. But one of my major issues with AEW is a lack of diversity in their main event scene. You know, you got your, those three guys, you got your Kenny Omegas, you got your Hangman Pages, but guys like Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Lee Moriarty, who just got signed, they're not really seen in the main event scene and not seen on Dynamite on a regular basis. And a lot of those reasons is because those guys need the buildup to get there. And, you know, WWE has your biggies, your Bobby Lashley's, the rest of the New Day who are main eventers that have been built up in that way. But now with Ring of Honor releasing all these tiny, these uh, these talents, Jonathan Gresham is an immediate main eventer wherever he goes, in my opinion, because he's been the best technical wrestler in the world for some time now, and he just came off of one of the best runs of his career. And I'm that's the one of the saddest parts for me as a Ring of Honor diehard and fan. The, the whole story has been he was pure wrestling champion for 15 months, and now he was going for the Ring of Honor title, and that was supposed to happen at Final Battle, but now now that's going to be like, you know, Ezekiel Jackson winning the ECW championship on the final episode of ECW or Booker T winning the WCW title on the final episode of Nitro. Yes, you're completing the arc, but it's kind of the end of the arc for the entire company in a lot of ways. But Jonathan Gresham is an instant main eventer. Jay Lethal is someone that I thought was a ring of honor lifer. And he's an immediate top guy, even though me, myself, I kind of want him to go back to impact wrestling because he never was able to win the top title there. And because so much main event talent is in AEW, I can see him getting to the top title in impact a lot faster than in AEW. But the number one guy that can really help the diversity and is an instant main event 
center out of this talent is Shane Taylor. Shane Taylor's got the look. Shane Taylor's got the promos. He's got a whole faction, and AEW is all about factions. He's got Shane Taylor promotions, Khan, Moses, all those guys can instantly come in and be a force, can feud with the elite, can feud with the Dark Order. They can feud with all these top stables that AEW has conspired. So I think that that's the guy. If I'm looking, if they have to name, if they have to sign one guy that can help them with the major problem that they have with diversity is Shane Taylor. Shane Taylor would have been number one on my list as well. And I'm not saying this just because um, I, so Shane Taylor, I, I'm quite friendly with, with, uh, with, with Shane Taylor. I am, he was at a Rev Pro show and I, I was chatting with him afterwards. And then we went to an after party that was hosted by Osprey. And it was a really, really fun night and stuff. And I was hanging out with Shane and we ended up playing beer pong with him. And I don't know if anyone knows this about Shane Taylor, but Shane Taylor's wicked at beer pong. He is really, really good at beer pong. I've actually got a video somewhere. We used it as an intro to one of our videos of him saying, I'm Shane Taylor and I'm really good at beer pong. And then just absolutely nailing his shots. I've got that video somewhere and I need to find it. This yeah. needs to be um, put up immediately. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. I think that it's uh, funny how the oh, yeah, Forbidden Door has kind of been only going one way, really. Yeah. Why not bring Moose into AEW now? If you want to talk about diversity, like Moose is so insanely talented. And quick plug here, he was just on my podcast. If you want to check that out, the episode was last week, Insight with Chris Van Vliet. But why can't the Forbidden Door start to go a little bit the other way as well? And I think that him coming in to AEW and making a splash there would be so interesting. But I really think we could go down the list of all the released talent one by one by one by one and find a home for everybody. But unfortunately, it's not up to us. What yeah, I do think, though, with Ring of Honor right now is if this is that option one that I was talking about, if this is a reset or a rebrand, this maybe sets the table for them to do things correctly this time, to maybe do things right, to maybe really build from here and start to figure something out from here that works in the climate of what will be 2022 wrestling. Because unfortunately, you can't do wrestling in 2022 the way that you were doing it in 2016 or 2014 or 2007. So perhaps they can set the table here in 2022 and build from there. That's what my hope is. The, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Of the names as well, there's a couple of names actually that really jump out to me that I am I'm particularly gutted for. And that is because they signed with Ring of Honor like tail end of 2019. It's Joe Hendry and Session Moth. And like they signed like right, like, and it was basically like Session Moth went out to Vegas for like Ring of Honor's like big show. And that's where she was like, this is it. This is the start of my Ring of Honor career. And then the pandemic hit. And I feel so, so bad like for, for those guys. Like it's they never really got the chance to get their Ring of Honor career kind of going. So, but I think that they are gonna make an absolute killing elsewhere. Like Session Martha is, you know, she is a in a British indie legend. So she is gonna get bookings no matter where she goes. Same with Joe Hendry. So, like, I don't think they they are gonna be starved for work. Um, yeah, I, I, the other thing actually, actually, do you know what? One other name that I think we do need to talk about. Because you're right, Chris. We could just like go down list, but name, 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 name. There was one name that was trending yesterday, though, on Twitter, and that is very nice, a very nice and very evil name of Danhausen. I I said this in the office yesterday when we were talking about like who could go, and I was like, 
if, if I if AEW, if Chris Jericho has got anything to do with it, he is going to be telling Tony Khan, get on the phone, get Dan Housen in. I mean, like, what do you think, SP3? Do you think like that is a possibility? He's a guy that can fit anywhere. Like you can put him on your AEW Dark Elevation, your AEW Dark. You could put him on BTE and he'll have a segment every week and be the most entertaining thing or put him with the Dark Order guys. That's just instant comedy right there. And you know, there's a certain fan base of of AEW fans that have gone like numb to the comedy that Orange Cassidy used to give us. So Dan Housing can kind of be that comedy role because they've been focusing more on like giving Orange Cassidy a whole bunch of like new opportunities in the main event scene in the AEW world title eliminator tournament that he's not that comedy figure that he was in the past. And Dan Housing can fit that mode. And he's also a really good wrestler, very nice, very evil professional wrestler as well. So there's a lot of things that you could do with them uh to talk about people that i'm gutted for i'm gutted for the whole entire women's division because roxy who's so talented 19 years old the first the the new woman of honor champion and she got offered an aew deal but she had already signed with ring of honor so is that opportunity still open for her you got to feel for her and then trisha dora just got signed a month ago a month yeah. ago, and she has the greatest name for a finisher that I've ever heard in my life, the Lariat Tubman. Come on, like, <laughs> you gotta sign that. That's gotta be on national TV. The Lariat Tubman? Come on. <laughs> That's so good. And it also makes me think that if they were signing people a month ago, that they really not have any idea that this was happening, and I would like to think that that's the case, but... Man, I have a tremendous amount of respect for what Danhausen has built because he basically took a chance on himself. He had another gimmick that wasn't working. And these are his words. He was tattoo beard guy and it just, <laughs> tattoo beard indie guy. And it just didn't really work. And he rolled the dice on this gimmick and he went all the way in on this gimmick. And it's paying off. And I think that there's a lot of wrestlers who kind of dip their toe into a gimmick and don't fully commit to it. And I think that Dan Housen is that type of guy who is fully committed to this. And he's just a, such a great guy. He is such a great guy. And I will not be surprised when he shows up on AEW because I think you're right, Luke. Chris Jericho sees something in him. He is one of the most over people in all of indie wrestling right now. I think it just makes sense that he shows up on AEW and does something there. I, I've got to think, yeah. Like I, I think to maybe like to round up this this conversation. Um I, I SP3 in particular, you uh you said to me actually today when we were meshing back and forth, you're a ring of honor diehard. Like you were a guy, you were there in the shows in, in New York as well. Like let's talk about some like you know the great things that came out of Ring of Honor and actually how like Ring of Honor changed the way that we view professional wrestling and in a lot of ways. Uh, there would be no NXT 1.0, the golden era of NXT, if it wasn't for Ring of Honor. There would be no AEW if it wasn't for Ring of Honor. Me, as a big fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling, I would have never really discovered New Japan the way I did without the partnership with Ring of Honor. So there's a lot that they can contribute. When you look at the WWE roster, Seth Rollins, Roderick Strong, Tommaso Ciampa, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, they all started in Ring of 
Honor. When you look at AEW, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes got his like rebrand, revitalized his career in Ring of Honor. Uh, Christopher Daniels. There's so much talent from both sides, and like I have so many. Some of my best wrestling memories are from going from those Hammerstein Ballroom shows in New York City. The first independent show that I ever went to was Final Battle 2006, where I got to see a hometown boy, Homicide, from Brooklyn uh, win the Ring of Honor World Championship over Brian Danielson. And we were all cheering for Homicide, but me and my friends that I went to high school with go to this show, and we're just like, this Brian Danielson, though, like, he's like a god. <laughs> like, he's great. Like, we became, we just, like, we're all, like, awe-inspired by Brian Danielson and, like, singing Final Countdown. Like, everybody talks about, oh, we wish Final Countdown would uh, come back and, you know, for AEW. I That's some of my greatest memories, just singing him to the ring. It's just, it felt like I would got a little piece of ECW with, with those guys, like, singing Enter the Sandman for Sandman to come into the building. That's how it was for Ring of Honor. There was so many different songs we used to sing. Jimmy Jacobs with his whole love story with Lacey, with uh, Lacey, the, the, like having the phones out and waving them to side to side. There's just so much great stuff that, you know, Ring of Honor is responsible for at a time when wrestling wasn't really cool for me. Like the, you had Triple H with the Reign of Terror on Monday Night Raw. You had JBL as the WWE champion on SmackDown. And, you know, TNA was up and down. And unless you were paying $10 every Wednesday, you couldn't really watch it. Or unless you had Fox Sports Net, you couldn't really watch it. So Ring of Honor made me like really say wrestling's cool again. I saw Samoa Joe versus CM Punk, and I was just like, this guy's got this cool punk rock look while Samoa Joe's 265 pounds doing suicide dives. And I just wanted to watch professional wrestling and I wanted to get engaged with it and find out about all these different wrestlers, the Austin Aries of the world, the Christopher Daniels. So it helped me so much and it's really got its fingerprints all over professional wrestling today. So if this is the end of a certain era of Ring of Honor, I'm very sad about that. And I want them to come back because, you know, you need more places for professional wrestlers to go. But I'll never forget all the memories that they gave me throughout the last 15, 16 years that I've been a fan of Ring of Honor. I uh, when I went to university, I, I, I dropped out of watching wrestling. Uh, I think I've told the story many times on the podcast before Hogan winning the title in 2002 of a Triple H. And he was like, at that point, like the sixth guy to win the belt that year. I was like, eh, I think I'm, I think I'm done watching this professional wrestling thing. Now, all my friends had stopped watching as well. So I, I kind of gave up on it for a couple of years. And so I went to university. And my housemate was a still a he was a wrestling fan, but my other housemate wasn't a WWE fan, but he was really into Ring of Honor and TNA. And he was like, Oh man, have you heard of these guys? And he showed me like punk Ravens feud. Cause I, I, I was like, Oh man, I loved Raven. He's like, You got to check out this CM Punk kid. And like that was kind of like my that was my introduction to CM Punk and seeing Raven have that incredible, incredible feud uh, with him. And then that gave me the introduction to people like Styles, Daniels, Joe, and all of these names. Amazing Red is another one. Like, and it's like, you know, like name after name after name after name. And I would then go to um, shows in, uh, in, in the UK where Daniels and AJ were being booked. And going there and being like to watch them wrestling in gym halls and stuff. And you watch the tapes of like old Ring of Honor shows where it's like, you know, there's one light that's like in like the entire ring and there's no microphones or anything. It's this dark, dingy stuff. And it is amazing. Like, Chris, like it is 
the impact that that they have had it, it, it can't be um it can't be stated enough i don't think yeah i i'm a huge ring of honor fan too and i remember going to shows in toronto and bringing my friends who weren't even wrestling fans and they were leaving going that was incredible oh my gosh and you're explaining to them the streamers and everything like that i do hope that streamers find their way somewhere into mainstream wrestling somewhere because I, I think yes. it's such a cool cool look but Ring of Honor came around at the right time when ECW was gone and WCW was gone and it was just WWE. And like you said, SP3, like TNA was there, but you needed to pay to see it on pay-per-view, which was fine. That was the, kind of the beginnings of TNA, but yeah. Ring of Honor was really filling that void for people who were hardcore wrestling fans who loved that technical style of wrestling. And that really worked well in the early 2000s. I'm just hoping again that this is some sort of rebrand, but why couldn't they be more clear on this? I just wish that they were more clear going, all right, here's what's happening now. Here's what we're doing in the future and we'll see you then. To be honest, Chris, I wonder if it's because like you mentioned it earlier, you know, they were signing talent a month ago. So this clearly has not been something that's been in the, the works for a while. I reckon that's probably why they're not very clear on the message because they themselves probably don't know what the message is supposed to be. This, I, I, I feel like this is like a big turning point, though. Like, this could either go really, really well or really, really badly. And this could be a time. We could be talking about October 2021, like 10 years from now, when Ring of Honor, like, crumbled and went away. I'm hoping that's not the case, though. And I kind of have to think that a couple of people were tipped off because the Briscoes showing up in GCW and Game Changer Wrestling, that blew, I was shocked by that because it'd been 10 years since they'd been in any type of independent promotion that wasn't connected to ROH very closely. So, and you would think they are day one guys. Like if you, if you only heard day one stuff from the Usos, the tag team they got it from was the Briscoes because the Briscoes been saying it because they legit were a part of Ring of Honor from the very first show when Mark Briscoe couldn't even wrestle when he was 17 years old. He couldn't legally wrestle. He was in his brother's corner. They were there from day one. So I would think that Ring of Honor may have tipped them off to be like, no, it's okay to go do the game changer wrestling because we're not really sure what's going on there. So even if they didn't know, I think they had a feeling because they show up in game changer wrestling for the Mox and uh, Gage show and then they win the titles this past weekend. I feel like that that was kind of like timed a little bit ahead of this so maybe they were tipped off in some way cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, let's get into your ultra chats if you want to join in the conversation. It is rustalk.com forward slash support. Get your messages. We'll read out every single one of them above five US dollars. I know your Canadian dollars, please, sir. Yeah. Uh, Bloodwire Radio says, or Australian sorry, dollars. Sorry about that, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, they're better than Australian dollars. Those are the worst. Are they? Bloodwire Radio says, uh, can you realistically see Vince buying ROH out specifically to block Tony Khan from further bolstering their own talent roster? Like they don't need to buy the company. Like, they, they could just get that talent already. Like the talent is free to sign wherever they want to go. Um, Peter Mullen said, I would love Tony Khan to hire the entire Ring of Honor roster for a one-off Ring of Honor versus AEW Invasion Supercard. All day do I dream of this. I tweeted this to the EVP, so I wait by checking the post. Also, CVV may be handsome, but he's never survived a train potato. That is that is uh that is only for Andrew Zarian. Uh, has anyone have you heard the train potato story? What? No. <laughs> I, this was I took a I took a, a couple of weeks off work and I came and I listened to the podcast and Adam is Adam and Denise are talking to Andrew Zarian and all of a sudden Andrew Zarian is telling the story about a stranger coming onto a train and pushing a potato into his mouth and like and all of a sudden I was like what? I just had a hundred messages from people being like have you heard about the potato show and I was like no oh my I'm not in <laughs> stuff like that happens in New York though so I, I wasn't it, surprised it, it, okay. So we were talking about this in the office yesterday. We were like, if I was on the tube, if I was on the tube in London and someone came up to me and just shoved a potato in my mouth, like, what would I do? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I would just like spit the potato out. And he's like, no, no, no. If you're in New York, I guess you just eat the potato. No, no. Me, huh. myself, I am not eating the potato. I am not. I'm huh. getting away. I'm walking away from that person because I don't know what they have on them besides the potato. And plus, I heard the story and the person was like carving the potato as well. Whenever someone is carving a potato and they have a, a tool to do that, I'm I'm not sitting next to them. <laughs> so Andrew Zarian is not only a good looking man, he's a very brave man to be next to that person and be OK with that. Uh, Plasma PD said, I got into wrestling this year through Ring of Honor and have been watching religiously uh, since. Now I don't know who to watch in the meantime because the majority of my investment was in Ring of Honor. I also don't want them to get bored out by AEW or WWE. That's interesting. You don't hear that. Like, I've never heard anyone say that. Like, you know, that yeah. they got into Ring of wrestling. Honor is not usually, 
Yeah, Ring of Honor is not usually the gateway. Usually you find wrestling through WWE because it's on TV or now through AEW or back in the day, Impact because it's on TV. And then you go, ah, I want more of this. And then you find Ring of Honor. So that's really exciting to hear the reverse. Uh, Charles said, sad to hear about Ring of Honor. I hope to see AEW or some other company continue with pure rules. The pure division was something really, really special. And seeing guys like Danielson compete with younger guys in that style would be amazing. Love you guys. Jam that jam. I mean, yeah, that Gresham uh, Woods match was, oh, oh boy. Oh boy, was it good. Um, yeah, the pure rules thing is it's interesting. I because I know like Gresham loves it, right? Like he he loves that sort of thing. Like I, we had Gresham over for Wrestling Media Con a few years back when he was teaming with Brooks, and like me and Ollie have always said like, damn, Gresham's got it. Like Gresham is just like he's so cool because like he's so short as well. Yeah, he is just like you know he's as he's as long as he is wide, and like he is just this like like tiny fridge of a man. But like then stretches everyone out and it's so cool and like I, I'm I'm super excited to see what he's going to be doing next. Um, Brian Moore said Ring of Honor did more for wrestling than they'll ever get credit for, and I hope this isn't the end for them. Do you think some people will wait and see what the rebrand is like instead of signing elsewhere? Although Gresham versus Daniels, I need to see that match yesterday. That's very interesting, actually. Like. If you have got, you know, they are going to be doing shows next year, as far as we know, and they are going to be doing these pair appearances. Do you wait and see where the cards lay for the new version of Ring of Honor, or do you take the punt now if you get given the offer? Like, SB3, what do you reckon? I think someone like a Jonathan Gresham, who's been so invested in Ring of Honor, like not a lot of people know he was doing the booking for the women's division and getting talent for the women's division and training their trainees at their school. So he's a guy that's firmly invested. That's why I said the arc of him winning the ROH World Championship was the best thing about Ring of Honor right now for me. I think that someone like him, especially if he wins the title from Bandito at Final Battle, I think he's going to wait because because he's already getting bookings with GCW and PWG. He has other uh, independent promotions like Warrior Wrestling that he also works with. He can get enough independent uh, you know, bookings where it can feed him over for the next three, four months during the hiatus and then come back for Supercard of Honor and then continue on and book yourself for the rest of the year and for the rest of 2022. So someone like him, lifers like Jay Lethal, the Briscoes, I can see them waiting it out. What do you reckon, Chris? I just think you got to take the sure thing because we don't really know what's going to happen. Maybe there's this show in April and perhaps they know more than we know as fans. But I think that if you're offered a deal somewhere, I would think that you take that deal rather than rolling the dice and seeing what might possibly be out there. But again, maybe they know more behind the scenes. Maybe the talent's being told more than what's being said out in the public. And I would hope that's the case. I hope that they're not completely in the dark about this. But I think you've, look, you got to put food on the table. When you're an independent contractor, it's not like you can go apply for unemployment insurance and you know just wait things out. You got to go work. You got to go work and you got to earn a living. So I think that if if some of these people have Patreon accounts, now's the time to go support their Patreon accounts. If they have merch on Pro Wrestling Tees, now is the time to go to Pro Wrestling Tees and buy their merch and support them because this is a really difficult time. These are human beings who now don't have a job. 
uh, particularly uh, Danhausen, because he's just released a T-shirt of him and MJF, and it's really annoying MJF that people are buying it. And anything that annoys MJF is good in my books. Uh, <laughs> the Mexican Jedi said, if AEW does buy the Ring of Honor library and builds, uh, builds more content for a streaming service, they will have my money day one. Peter Mullins says, a few things on the tape library. I know it's money at the end of the day, but Ring of Honor must see AEW would utilize the tapes far better from a legacy point of view. Also, of the two companies, AEW has a tape collector as its chairman. It just makes sense. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, like, I reckon Tony Khan's probably got all of this stuff anyway, so even if Vince does buy it, he's just like, I own all of it anyway. Like, yeah. I've got my personal collection. <laughs> I have all the VHS tapes right here. I, I don't even just give me the rights to it. I'll just use my tapes right here. Um, Mayor of Painesville, Dan said, we need to speak about Tyler Rust here. Poor lad got budget cut at NXT and now he's fired again as Ring of Honor talents. Poor lad. And he's really good. When he was booked during WXW festivals, he was incredible book Tyler. Uh, Peter Mullins back in again said, could you imagine what WWE would do with Dan Housen's gimmick? Do the Latino stars trust WWE to treat them well? Would the women of honor see WWE as a viable career option for their push? WWE might not be a draw for this particular group of released talent. Edward Figueroa said, like SP3, I was also a diehard Ring of Honor fan. The shows at the ECW Arena for HDNet were great. Start of Steam Generico feud. I was at the Dethrone show uh, the month before Final Battle 06. ROH memories will live forever. That was my pro wrestling through college and now. Uh, Punk Rock and Soda said, one group that really deserves more recognition is Vincent and the Righteous. He is one of the most unique individuals in wrestling and I think has endless possibilities. They could uh, possibly fit right into the House of Black. That's that's again right what we were saying earlier. When we, uh, we were scratching the surface when we were listing off those names that I just sort of like picked out at random from the, the, the roster. Uh, Bobby Stevens, give me all in, uh, give me the all in name. Roxy Danhausen and Flip Gordon. CVV loved your Adam, uh, Adam Cup podcast. Sweetest oh. dude ever. Jam that jam. Lot of love. For that, please. <laughs> <laughs> how, how is it, Chris, being like the number one uh, wrestling interview podcast in, in the world? How, 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 how does that feel? Me? Are you <laughs> I, guess. <laughs> I, I look at the wrestling podcast charts and I go, oh, man, if I was only Stone Cold Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, <laughs> Jim Ross, Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff. <laughs> yeah. All right. all right. I'm going to say the proper, the proper. Oh, yes. The ones, not the you. ones with their multi-million dollar <laughs> <Yeah>. startups. <laughs> No, I, look, I just, I love having conversations with interesting people and it's been so cool being able to talk, not just to wrestlers. I talk to obviously a lot of pro wrestlers because I'm a big pro wrestling fan, but also cool diving into the stories of like actors, directors, comedians. I had an astrophysicist on my show a few weeks ago and we just dove deep into like, wormholes and aliens and time travel i had an fbi negotiator on my show a few months ago and like he was like oh yeah you can negotiate literally anything here's how and i'm like ah this is great uh some stupid punk said how hard do you think wwe will try to buy the ring of honor library if only to hoard archive footage and to dig at aew by owning that all-in footage uh genuinely i hope to see dem boys in aew give me the briscoes i think if the briscoes are going anywhere it ain't wwe that is uh certainly what we would say like because nope they WWE were going to sign them and they were like nope actually i think we're gonna pass on dem boys <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Yoko Litnan, if I was Tony Khan, I would buy the entire thing and turn it into what NXT should be. Operate it as a completely separate promotion from AEW for incoming talent, pay-per-views, etc. Plus, the video library would be amazing trying to get a streaming deal. That's an interesting, uh, you know, idea of using it as your developmental of, you know, giving a place for people to try. I mean, I guess that's kind of what they use Dark and Dark Elevation for and things like that. But yeah. hey, Ring of Honor's got a lot of pedigree behind it in terms of a name value. Uh, legit Underboss says, Shane Taylor Promotions, Brody King, and PCO to the House of Black. Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Adam Cole reforming the kingdom for the AEW six-man titles. Oh, what could you imagine if... if, if... <laughs> If Taven and Bennett come in and Cole's like, oh no, I've got my other boyfriends now. Um, oh, oh no, I'm now torn between the two of them. He's going to be torn three ways because Bobby Fish is there too. So he's got Undisputed Era, Kingdom, and the Elite. He's like, I don't know what to do. He's like he's like the, the boy with all the girlfriends on the teen dramas. So like, it, 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 it's, it's a nice thought. And I, I didn't even think of, yeah, Brody King is a good one because he's the current PWG Tag Team Champions with Malachi Black. So he's a perfect member for House of Black in AEW. Gotta think. Uh, Phil Rabbit's Danhausen to the Dark Order confirmed. Also, hope that Wyndham ambushes Cody at full gear. Um, and we've got a couple of other chats uh, that we'll get into in just a second. Um, but yeah, while we're on the subject, what do you uh, what do you reckon is next for old Wyndham uh, SP3? What do you what do you think you think is going to be next for him? I think that the 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 move that kind of gets him right where he needs to be right where he was at his peak in WWE as a main event talent and a top guy immediately is impact wrestling. Cause they kind of fit the mode with what he does well, which is character promos, different type of vignettes. I can see them doing a lot with uh, him and impact wrestling immediately. And it kind of, in my opinion, one of your favorite guys, uh, Luke, Raven, what WCW should have done with Raven when Raven was a top guy in ECW, he comes over to WCW, he instantly gets over just sitting in the crowd, collecting people a part of his flock, but they never like let him break through the glass ceiling. I feel like he's that type of character instantly that will get over in Impact Wrestling and they can break him to the top ceiling because honestly, you put him on the Impact roster, he's the biggest star they got. Uh, Chris, what do you reckon? I'm going to I'm going to throw out a wild idea here but maybe he doesn't immediately go to a wrestling promotion and I think that we saw he has some serious yeah. acting chops and the ability to create a character and dive deep into that character maybe he does a movie a horror film maybe he does something that's dramatic maybe he really leans into the acting side of things and we see him on a TV show or in a movie. And then maybe he does something with wrestling down the line a little bit, but I just don't, I don't think that he immediately has to go somewhere, but I would think that if he does, AEW seems to make a lot of sense there. SP three, you should be writing. This is a great idea. Raven's flock. It's a, it's a brilliant <laughs> idea. <laughs> Uh, Will Campbell said, hi guys. Awesome to see CVV here. Question for him. I recently rewatched your interviews with Adam Cole, Tall Paul, Jay Lethal, and Tyler Breeze, all of which were better the second time. What's the best part about interviewing the four of them? All four of them together? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Have I mentioned recently that I've interviewed The Rock uh, nine times? Uh, not that I'm <laughs> counting or anything. Um <laughs> 
Man, no, the coolest <laughs> thing is just being <laughs> the coolest thing is just being able to to talk to people and like talk to them as like a human. Like, hey, tell me how you got to where you got. Because unfortunately, in the world that we live in, we only see the finished product. We only see Oprah on TV, or we only see Tom Brady with seven Super Bowl rings, and we only see somebody when they're holding the championship title up and we don't see the struggle along the way. And it's great to be able to hear step one to two to three to four to five and see where people have actually been on their journey. So I think that that's my favorite part about talking to all those people. And our final question comes in from the mayor of Painesville, Dan. And I, I kid you not. Uh, question for CVV. How many times have you interviewed The Rock? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, nine times. Uh, not that I'm counting or anything. Not that I have uh, this, first of all, favorite match ever. Oh, yeah. There's just a random broom here that I've been stretching. My my arms were a little sore uh, earlier, but not, you know, you can't really see it uh, there, but that's a photo of uh, my friend DJ and I uh, at interview number eight there. Yeah. DJ. Yeah. You know, Deej, as I like DJ. to call him. How many times have you interviewed um, Cena? John Cena's four times. That's more than I have. Dang, I was—I was, I thought we might have been matched in that because I've interviewed him twice. I was like, maybe I'll match CVV on oh, one of those names. Still, that's great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Interviewed him for Bumblebee and do you remember Ferdinand, the Bull movie? Yeah. Didn't you? Yes. Yeah, I interviewed him. For I that. interviewed he him for Bumblebee as well. Where was your Bumblebee interview? And that was in London. Mm, mine was in, you know what? I did an interview with him in LA for Bumblebee, but then when I was, there was something else in London where we just did like a, maybe a screening or something like that. Maybe, maybe we were there at the same time before we knew um, each other. The, the, the Ferdinand one was one of my favorite ones because here in the UK, that film got released at Christmas. So it's not a Christmas movie, but because it was released at Christmas, they just photoshopped the little Santa hats onto <laughs> Ferdinand in all of the posters for it to be like, hey, kids, come see the new festive movie set in the height of summer. Um, <laughs> I was Love real it. nervous to interview him as well. And I, afterwards, like it was all finished because, you know, it was from WrestleTalk. So I, you know, I talked about the film and then I was like, and he was like, cool, just ask me about, uh, you know, uh, wrestling questions and that so i did after it was all over i got up and i was just like no oh, thank you so much for the interview and he just had the match with nakamura and i was like i really enjoyed your match with nakamura on smackdown and he just looked at me he was like i've got to learn to take that exploded suplex properly oh, <laughs> so remember like, nakamura nice, probably like yes. dropped him on his head with it man what, is that is that the greatest thing that someone's told you off camera that like you weren't recording on is that the greatest little tidbit that you've received it it might be yeah i think it i think it is that's what's only one of my all-time favorites. That's yeah. a pretty good one. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it is good. I was trying to I, think of anything else. When I was interviewing John Cena at WrestleMania in New York, I, I did that interview with him. And I was I was texting with him to figure out like where we were going to do it, right? So I show up at this place. He would he'd just done a workout. And I show up at this place, like get up an elevator. It's this private gym for like celebrities only. And I'm standing there in front of the elevator. And I'm like, I'm here. And I don't hear back from him. And then he goes... I can't see you and I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> and I was like, oh, John Cena got me with the joke. And then I'm like, I'm in front of the elevator. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
That's amazing. Um, Dan also adds in, I just wonder about, I'm very upset about the end of Ring of Honor. It puts things into perspective. Not every promotion is safe. Support your indies. I hope the talent all gets work. And lastly, from Brian Doyle says, hope everyone is well. Congrats on Luke for being a dad. Thank you very much. Um, quick tangent from the Ring of Honor news. I'd like to ask you what you thought for uh, Bound for Glory. I laughed a lot when the Kiss Demon came out. <laughs> I thought D'Lo Brown saw the ending perfectly on commentary. Yeah, I... I went into like Bound for Glory being like, oh, okay, we're probably going to see some names here. Like probably going to see a, a Bronson Reed, probably going to see Braun Strowman. I didn't expect the big debut to be the Kiss Demon. <laughs> like, coming, <laughs> coming back to the world of wrestling. That was great. I, I, I enjoyed that because that popped me so much. It made my, my latter years of watching WCW from 1999 to 2001 worth it <laughs> because I knew exactly who that was. <laughs> After I interviewed Moose, like when the camera was turned off, he goes, uh, you going to be at Bound for Glory? I'm like, I, I think I might go. I, I'm not sure. He goes, well, it's going to be something big there. And I'm like, oh, really? oh yeah? Nice. Like, yeah, there's going to be something big. And I'm like, okay. And obviously he meant like that he was winning the championship. But yeah, I thought when he's like, oh, there's going to be something big. I'm thinking, oh, wow. Braun Strowman is a large man. That's the big <laughs> thing he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're going to draw this to a close um only because uh cvv is here i want to share my favorite interview story um that I've, I've ever had so go. i did the uh the press junket for thor ragnarok and the over in the uk they only had jeff goldblum come across to do interviews and i'm a big goldblum fan so i was super excited about doing this interview um, I was one of the few people to get a question out of him that he would answer about Thor Ragnarok because Jeff Goldblum just wanted to be Jeff Goldblum and he wanted to talk about anything else. A friend of mine went in to do the interview and he sat down and Jeff was, you know, was like, you know, do the, the pleasantries and everything. Bearing in mind, like at press junkets, you tend to get like five minutes at most. And Jeff says to him, Mr. Mr. Goldblum says to him, Jeff, like I know him. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum says to him, "Is like, um, wait, oh, where are you from?" My friend goes, "I'm from London," and so Jeff Goldblum then starts singing this song about London, just like singing this song to my friend about this, and like asking him to like sing along with him. My friend, I I don't know the words, and then so Jeff, Jeff Goldblum tells him what the words are, and my friend just repeats them back to him. He's like. What a beautiful singing voice you've got. And that was all of the interview that they had. That was the whole five minutes that they That's got. amazing. <laughs> he and he's like, I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing out of that interview. Wow. <laughs> it's Jeff funny Goldberg. because those junket interviews can go one of two ways. They can go awful. They can be terrible because you're interview number 37 of 42 that they're going to do today and they just don't care anymore. Or like this, you're interview 37 of 42 and they just want to have fun with it and roll with it. And Man, that's, that's an amazing example. I um, I was wearing a Brizango t-shirt uh, when I went in because I'd come from I'd come from the studio, so I was wearing wow. my Brizango t-shirt, and he was fascinated by this. He was like, "Goes Brizango? What is, what is Brizango?" And so I like, <laughs> explained to him it's a wrestling tag team. And was like, "Wrestling? Is that popular?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I think people you know, they tend to watch it and stuff." Then he got distracted by my shoe because I was wearing a Joker Converse, and. He, <laughs> He was like, I love your shoes. I'm like, I need to get this guy back on track. I need to get him to focus. <laughs> I get at least one question in about Thor Ragnarok. Isn't it funny how when you when you explain wrestling to somebody who's not a wrestling fan, you have to like 
go to the very basics of what it is. Yeah. It's, just, it's, the, it's the strangest, <laughs> most fascinating, most incredible thing. All right, well, let's get into uh, the plugs. Chris, plug your channel. Please plug away. What have you got coming up? What do you want to tell us to go and see? Well, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast, SP3. Luke, you can find my YouTube channel right here on YouTube. Chris Van Vliet is the name of the channel. I also have the Clips channel, CVV Clips. If you want just little bite-sized, just bite-sized little portions of my interviews, you can find them there. And my podcast is Insight with Chris Van Vliet wherever you listen to podcasts. And find me on social media at Chris Van Vliet everywhere. And again, thank you guys so much. And uh, still working on, oh my gosh, that is very the, kind. Thank you. Uh, moderators are sharing the links for everyone to go and click. Sorry, you, I interrupted you there. Oh, I was just going to say, still working on interview number 10 with my old buddy Deej. <laughs> Deej. <laughs> uh, SP3, what do you want to promote? Uh, you can check out my wrestling YouTube channel, True Heel Heat. I'll be up there at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 UK. Uh, we'll be reviewing Dark Side of the Ring Season 3 finale for the steroids child. So that's going to be a very good one, as well as we go live on the True Heel Heat YouTube channel tomorrow, 12.05 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.05 p.m. UK. See, I'm getting my, my numbers right. Uh, with True Hill Heat, our flagship podcast, we're going to have Bailey and the Bird, and we're going to do a special fantasy wrestling draft with all-time ROH talent based on the news of ROH ending or not. We're going to do only talent that have been in ROH, and check out the archives for True Hill Heat because we've had Chris Van Vliet on our show as well. So check that out. Uh, I am going to be on the SmackDown Review podcast because they've got me working on a Saturday. Pete's not here. So I'm going to be doing the SmackDown Review tomorrow with Tempest T Wrestler. And also tomorrow for our patrons, patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. Me and Ollie reviewing Bound for Glory 2007, featuring the infamous second time reverse battle royal, uh, which led to a tournament and all this sort of stuff. The fight for the right reverse battle royal. Also, a lot of talk about Pac-Man Jones and all of that. But crucially, this is my big selling point to uh, make sure you go and become a patron of this podcast. We find my forum posts on the smartmarks.com of me talking about Bound for Glory at that time and my other thoughts on TNA and as to why I was bullied a lot on that forum. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's a wonderful oh. time. For I know. Oh, yeah. But reading them back, I'm like, yeah, I can see why people picked on me a lot. Yeah, I get it. I, I can't spell feud. Very nice. Wrestling fans <laughs> not, nice. not being nice. I don't believe it. Get out of here. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> So what do you got planned for the weekend, my friend? I got the True Hill Heat uh, weekly podcast. We're going to be talking about this Ring of Honor news that we chatted about a lot during uh, this episode here. But we're also doing a fantasy wrestling draft with the Bailey and the Bird podcast. Uh, Benjamin Raven, as well as Jared Bailey, myself and Miss Chrissy Love. And we're doing all-time Ring of Honor talent. So it's going to be a very fun one. Um, I'm just going to spoil it here. I'm going Brian Danielson with my number one overall pick all day every day i mean yep you can do all that but like what's your real life what are your real life plans 
Um, my real life plans is uh, the twins. Uh, I have uh, going on two year old twins. That that if I'm not on camera, I'm not writing something. Uh, it, it's with them, and so I'm gonna be with my wife and them. We're gonna do Halloween uh, pictures in the house mostly because we're not gonna do trick or treating. They're too young for that. Don't want to expose them. I'm being uh, Shawn Michaels. My wife is being Sensational Cherry. My daughter is being uh, Magnificent, and my son's being a, a punk because that's the only costume we can get him in because we can't get him in anything elaborate. So I am a family man if I'm not recording a podcast or writing an article. I was going to ask you, like, because one of the things I've always been fascinated with about uh, America as a Brit uh, across the waves is like, so Halloween here is a thing, but in the last, like, I'd say 10 years, it's become a thing to the level that Americans have always had Halloween. So like when I was growing up, Halloween was just it was if you went and like went trick or treating, there'd be like, I don't know, five houses in a whole neighborhood that would actually have something there for you. Really? Whereas like in America, it's always like this. You, you see films and stuff. It's like the whole streets are covered in like and everyone's going all out. Like now, if I was to go out, like if you would go trick or treating now, there'd probably be way more houses that are into it. But when I was a kid, it was not a thing, man. Yeah, for as long as I can remember, like I was like maybe five, six years old. My my mom would take me like we used to use, live in an apartment complex, so it wasn't like going to houses, but we would know what apartments were you know giving out candy, and my mom would get me in. Like I, I was sting one year. Uh, that was that was uh, a choice. Uh, I was sting one year with the white face paint with the with the black lines and she took me around. I had a baseball bat and I pointed at the people that were giving me the candy. <laughs> oh, <nice>. um, <laughs> I was stone cold one time with the with the I don't know if you remember I think I think Vince McMahon wore it one year the stone cold like leather mask that they had and the stone cold shirt I did that a few years so yeah it was always a thing mostly at like my after school or my school occasionally would let us wear the Halloween costumes but that's that's crazy that it was never like really done like that in the UK like what did y'all did y'all know of it or what did y'all like do for halloween uh, halloween was like it was you know it was a not a holiday but like it, everyone was like okay halloween is here but we wouldn't like carve pumpkins like there weren't like if i if i go to a supermarket now it's you're littered with pumpkins everyone is like selling pumpkins and stuff when i was a kid no one was doing that so like i didn't carve a pumpkin until i was like in my i don't know early 30s was wow. like when i first like, i carved my first pumpkin and and it's only yeah like now so it would just be a case of it was just any other night there'd be like some you know like uh, our local rec center would do a halloween party where people would go and get dressed up and stuff that was pretty much about it i was um skeletal one year it was one of my favorite uh, and i won an award i won a prize i won an award i won a prize for that for having the best costume that evening for being skeletal um it was a very proud moment of mine so yeah no it was just it was just nothing it's just it wasn't not not to the not to the extent of like if you watch a Halloween movie and it is just yeah. like, you know, kids running up and down everywhere, like everyone's wearing costumes. No, you would see, I don't know, two people at most. <laughs> like, 
Like, yeah, when across, I know, across the span of two hours, <laughs> I never got that full like experience going to like house to house until like my sister she moved to Jersey and she was like in the suburbs and I had my nephews who were younger than me and we went like house to house and that was like that was like whoa this is totally different it's not the six houses in an apartment complex I can get to and they're giving me all the candy to get rid of it it's like they're being judicious because they have a whole community of people that's gonna go by their house so that was different for me i remember like the build up to halloween there was like pumpkin picking and yeah you did like the carving of the pumpkins i was never really into that thing like i know people that love halloween more than christmas and i'm a big christmas guy so i think that's less totally strange to me but yeah <laughs> I, I remember the the movies like halloween town hocus pocus used to be on disney channel and stuff so it was like a whole build up before halloween but like my halloween was mostly like modest until my sister moved out to the suburbs i'm very sorry that she had to go to jersey though you know like I, no, no one ever wants to do that oh um, i have so many jersey jokes you don't want to get me started I, a little <laughs> known fact i used to be a uh like i was working towards becoming a new york tour guide because i used to work on the water taxi in new york that goes by the statue of liberty and one of my favorite jokes that i heard because you have to have a litany of jokes being a tour guide was you know why new yorkers are so depressed why is that because they know the light at the end of the tunnel is jersey <laughs> oh that's good, that is good. <laughs> that, that's one of my all-time favorites <laughs> Oh no, I, I can't remember if I said this to you the last time you and I did this podcast thing together, but like when I went to New York, my, my wife took me there for my 30th and we were stunned to find that there was no Ghostbusters tour. And I was like, that is money being left on the table. Like if I if I'd moved out to the new, I, I even said to my wife, like she wasn't my wife then, but I, I said to her at the time, I was like, I've got a business plan. We're going to move out to New York. I'm going to get an Ecto-1 and we'll do like, I'll do like an, a movie accurate thing and I will drive people around in the Ecto-1 to all the various locations that they film Ghostbusters. Like that is, that is, a, that is easy money. There's a Sex in the City tour. There's like multiple ones of those, but there's no Ghostbusters tour. How does that happen? How the heck do they have a gossip tour, a gossip girl tour? Like, like you trust me, I know all the tours that are available because that when I after I was done trying to be a tour guide and working on the boat, I worked in a hotel and I was a hotel concierge. So you get a whole bunch of pamphlets of all the different tours. And I was amazed by it. I was like, Sex in the City tour gossip girl tour they got um tv and movie tours the friends tour where you go to like the apartment and you go to the pub and all that stuff how did they not do a ghostbusters tour that's like one of the first movies that anyone remembers if you talk about new york they think about the ghostbusters like luke get on it like you can you you know we can we can take our our kids to play dates together and i i can help i could help with the business plan i could be the concierge <laughs> that sells for the the ghostbuster tour for you we could work together we could do this um man i need to see if i can find it because i'm pretty sure i've got a pdf saved in one of my google drives of the walking tour that i created myself of all the various different locations and stuff Oh, I need Let's to see, see this, please. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters tour. Okay, here we go. Have I got it? Is it still working? It is. Oh my god, it's still here. Right. Let me share my screen. Let me share my screen. Uh, share screen. Yes. That one. This is my Ghostbusters walking tour that I created. 
<laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> oh my god, you don't know how many times I've seen this. Being a hotel concierge, like that's the number one role we do is show people the map and like navigate, like taking a train or walking to different locations. Like I can point out every different city point right off this map that you're showing me here. So we did this in a day. Like in one day, we did this the whole walk until my wife was so tired by the end of it. And like in the the end of it, we went down like slightly further than D. Because I think E is the the firehouse. I think we had that as our last point. And I think we then had we were down in Lower Manhattan to go to this barcade that my wife had like got us a table for for like to celebrate my thirtieth, which was lovely. We nice. then walked back from that to Hell's Kitchen, point A. Which is where our hotel was. My wife said, Should we get a taxi? I was like, No, we'll just walk. It's what it's what like 40, 50 blocks. That can't be that bad of a walk. And it took us hours. It took us so long to walk home. That is a long, very long work because you're on the east side. Because I know the barcade. I've been to the barcade a couple of times. I think it's like called St. Mark's Place, is where the barcade is at. And then to go from there to Hell's Kitchen, because one of my major hotels that I'm working at, the Hudson Hotel, shout out to everyone there, is in Hell's Kitchen. That is a ridiculous. <laughs> long walk like you're literally going from the bottom of yeah. new york almost to like the middle point that's ridiculous <laughs> yeah we had to stop and get taco bell uh at one point we were just like it was like 1 a.m it was the only thing that was open we was like we have to get some taco bell to like fuel us to get to the end of this that's awesome though i love it i love it that's that's a great i i'm gonna try it you need to send me that so i can try to do it i'm gonna force my kids and my wife to do that <laughs> <laughs> all right uh do you know what let's uh let's get out of here um actually do you know what i was gonna say i'm going pumpkin picking this weekend that is what i'm doing nice. we're taking the kid to her first pumpkin picking experience she's five weeks old she has no idea what it is but we're taking her nonetheless and she's got no option and she's being dressed as a pumpkin because my mum knitted her a pumpkin outfit um so yeah that is what i'm doing this weekend also saturday podcast tomorrow it's me and tempest doing smackdown sb3 thank you as always uh, for being on this show we'll be calling upon your services again no doubt Thank you. As always, like I say, Lou, you're one of my favorite people in wrestling media, someone I'm very proud and happy to call a friend and a fellow dad. So it's always a great time talking wrestling or anything else or Ghostbuster walk tours with you. <laughs> uh, that is all we've got time for. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Love you. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. 
Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.